Hi, folks. Welcome along again to the Echo Chamber podcast. We recorded this podcast during the year, and we decided not to put it out because there was an awful lot of noise out there at the at the time uh, on other subjects. So we've saved it till now. But this is an extremely important podcast with one of our favorite guests, Professor Owen O'Dell, who is just a genius in his field. Joe Duffy covered this for a very long time on Liveline. There were an awful lot of stories of people put through huge hardship. So really and truly, this podcast affects them and it is time for payback. So please listen. If you're one of the people affected, go get payback. And if that's not uh, vague enough for you guys, this is, of course, going to be in relation to data protection, but not just data protection. That sounds boring. This is actually about you being able to attest your rights and, and gain some form of recompense. So I think, Martin, when we talked about this, referred to us as a little Christmas present you can give to yourself. So it's too late in the day. We've missed Christmas. But you know what? In Jer- in, it's it's going to be early January and you d- decide, you know, I'm a bit down at the moment. Here's a little present you can give to yourself now as a little pick-me-up. And um, and, and I want to say, actually, as much as Owen O'Dell has, has been a powerhouse on this, Owen actually credits Martin as well for the work he did on this as well. So, so you know, far be it for me to um, to, to give my, my uh, co-host uh, a little bit of credit, considering he's been an absolute nightmare the last few weeks. I won't lie. Uh, he's making life very difficult for me. He just won't he won't show up for anything. He's late for everything, and he's really like I mean, he's lost the run of himself now because he thinks uh, he's what did you say? The bogus self employment king he put on his um, Christmas yeah. <laughs> legend. Um, Legend, yeah, that's what he he literally put that in, folks. So you know, I'm not making this shit up. You couldn't make it up. Only he could. Uh, but but no, fair play. And uh, do think, do listen, and not just listen for yourself, but listen for the people who are, might you might know in your life have been affected by this, and share it with them because there's a possibility there of even a little few quid for people who deserve it, Martin. Absolutely, and I, you know, I've spoken to parents of people with severe disabilities who went through absolute hell on this Tony and they never had to Mm. they never had to they were lied to and it's an awful awful thing and memories are very short in media but mine is not and an awful lot of people were affected by this this is the, as I say, this is it, folks. He can remember thirty years of what, what was happening in this situation. He can never remember the Patreon link. But we leave it there. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash tortoise. Get in there, please. Go on. Talk to you. Enjoy the pod, folks. Bye bye. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back. Uh, we're back talking about a topic that we've been covering for many, many a year, but it's been important that we continue to uh, look at how the public are monitored, the, the public people who pre- rely on public services were effectively coerced into certain situations where they had to uh, go and uh, go through some more major ordeals. And we will talk about them in the future. It's important that we come back to some of the individual stories. And I know Martin, uh, my coach, Martin, you know some of the people who went through some awful things when it came to just having to get the public services card. Some some, some really distraught pa- parents out there, particularly. Yeah, yeah, it was the the parents of those uh, with severe disabilities and what they had to go through and what they were told they had to do. And and I know from personal experience and talking to people, some of them were put in unbearable, intolerable situations for something they didn't need to do, Tony. Yeah, and look, look, and we know we're going to come specifically to our guest today, who's a returning champion, Dr. Ono Dale from Trinity College. He's the, he's the lecturer on uh, contract restitution and freedom of expression. The last time I think we spoke, it was in relation to the Graham Dwyer situation and the case and how the state had yet again um, 
lost in terms of how they how they use data that they shouldn't have and well this is a different completely in different case zone it comes back to yet again it's it's a data issue in the state but martin successfully took a case against the public services card to the data protection commissioner to show that they they were illegal, illegally monitoring individuals and it could it was it was not analyzed they could go back to a customer identifier number can you give me your sense of the judgment and and the implications of it well, you're right. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Um, love the podcast, uh, particularly uh, delighted to participate. Um, you're right. It shows that there is um, a consistent belief across the public service, uh, broadly defined, um, in collecting and using data and finding um restrictions placed on the collection and use by European law in particular to be nothing more than pesky irritants. So um, the uh, the use of the um, telephone tracking in Graham Dwyer uh, is an example of large-scale data collection, large-scale data monitoring, large-scale surveillance. Um, and uh, Martin's uh, case is another example of a state body, in this case, the Department of Social Protection, uh, also collecting uh, uh, large and um, probably unnecessary amounts of data. Let me give you a, um, an anecdote to, to uh, explain this. I was filling in a form the other week to book my son in for a sports camp over the summer. And um, uh, I needed to choose the week, choose the sport, um, give my email, my name, and um, punch in some uh, card details to pay for it. But the form that I was presented with was obviously one that the website designer for the small sports company had just pretty much taken off the shelf. And it sought a whole lot of other pieces of information. My favorite one was my title. And it had a drop-down menu with so many options. I was I was really thinking about calling myself Archbishop Reverend Doctor, just to screw with the, the data collection. I, 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 I do want to be very cheeky and say Lorcan Sir, who regularly appears on this, is the only Professor Sir I know. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 I may, just on the public services card free travel pass, what I compared it to was the previous version, which was a paper travel pass where no data was collected. And that was my baseline. So what changed to allow them to do this? This was my question. And their reply was uh, the usage data. Well, usage data is a you problem. That's not uh, my GDP or my private data problem. And if you're over 65, free travel, is a right. It's a right. And okay. that's the difference. There's no deal for exchange of information at all. Yeah, it's by by um, tying the journey information via the public services card uh, to uh, something in which there was an awful, potentially an awful lot of personal data capable of being collected and monitored, they were doing what the sports camp was doing. They were asking for large amounts of unnecessary data. And that's the basic point that the um, uh, that the Data Protection Commissioner emphasized, that um, this was a use for the public services card 
where they were taking too much information. Um, and whether it's uh, asking me for a title where I could be Archbishop, uh, Reverend Doctor, or tying it into the journey data that you were taking, um, given that, as you say, the previous context was one in which you just simply had a card, literally a paper card, and you showed it and that was that, there was no reason for taking all this extra data that they were taking. And therefore, um, you know, there is a principle in data protection, uh, the principle uh, that you take the minimum amount of data necessary and no more. Proportionality. And is, beg your pardon? It has to be proportionate. Well, first of all, it has to be the minimum amount of data. Mm. Um, and then um, it's it's stored for uh, as long as necessary and no more, and yeah. then used only for those purposes. Um, and uh, there weren't uh, these these principles weren't um, weren't respected that they were taking more than the minimum necessary, and therefore you don't even get to the question of whether the gathering is necessary and proportionate if they were um, uh, taking more than the minimum. So, yeah, so, uh, so, so, so I, because I, I, I think that's a really crucial point. We haven't made that previously on because we kept mm -hmm. looking at the idea. Like, so I always get, use the example if you go in for a current account, they can ask you for your, you know, your, your proof of address and, and, uh, and a proof of, a proof of identity. If you want a mm -hmm. mortgage, they're going to look for your bank statements. They're going to look yep. for your, your, your tax affairs, all of these things. That's all proportionality, but, but yep. that's because it's, it, it's, it's, um, products specific, whereas here, as, as Martin pointed out, this was this was a right that people wanted to attest and that they couldn't do that. And the troubling point, of, I suppose, and again, maybe I'm not, I wouldn't ask you to 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 look to wander into the realm of speculation, but they deleted the uh, the log, the, not just the, the actual database itself, but the logs afterwards as well, which was quite something, you know, in terms of the the ability to find out what how why it was being stored how it was being stored and how it was being used well um i'll i'll say two things about that the first is that on the collection the department of social protection in particular um has a tendency to over collect and in the context of the data um the public services card it has a tendency to try to justify its existence i'll come back to that in a second on the deletion um, I think they were jumping before they were pushed. The Data Protection Commission would have told them to do that because uh, once once you have data that you're not supposed to have, um, one of the remedies you're entitled to is the deletion of that data. So the I, I think they were just jumping, uh, making a virtue out of necessity. Yes, there were probably um, uh, you know some bodies buried in it as well, and you can draw your own conclusions about that. But in general, I think they were simply um, uh, deleting before they were required to delete. I want to go back to the public services card point. Um, but, but this, I mean, on, on the one hand, this is one person's one set of journeys, one card. But if you broaden it out, there are two big, broad um, uh, conclusions to be drawn. The first is the failure to minimize data. And that is consistent with departmental and public service practice. There will be lots of other examples of overcollection. Uh, this just brings this particular one to light. But if you broaden it out a bit more, it shows that um, even though the um, uh, Data Protection Commission has said that there is very little lawful basis for the use of the public services card beyond a very specific engagement with the Department of Social Protection. There has consistently been 
uh, an attempt by the department, by government, to add other uses to justify the existence of the card. And the Data Protection Commission has said, you can't have all those other uses. This was one of the additional uses. Now, it turned out that there was another statutory basis for this particular additional use, and they got away with that. But it just shows more generally that um, they are still trying to find ways to justify the existence of the um, Public Services Guard. And a lot of uh, public bodies are continuing to require its use even after the Data Protection Commission decision. Some realise what the consequences are. I was on a website yesterday um, uh, where uh, it the um, an earlier version uh, it was a public it was a public body and an earlier version said that one of the proofs of identity for the public for the purposes of engaging with them was a public services card. But the current version of the website. Um, says very specifically that it's not uh, acceptable as proof of identity because this was one of the bodies that isn't covered by the existing uh, processing uh, rules. So the, the the point is this, it's specific to uh, travel, but it's got general implications in terms of data minimization and in terms of demonstrating just how wide the reach of the public services card continues to be even though the uh, Data Protection Commission has said that in all but a very few uh, circumstances, it has no legal basis for all these extra uses. And important to point out, no legislative basis for them either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and worse than that, um, they 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 tried to construct a sort of an inverted pyramid of uses on a very small section that didn't support it. And um, it would be in terms of uh, an amendment to the social welfare legislation because there are social welfare amendment acts every year. Some years there are two. Um, so there's plenty of opportunity, plenty of scope. And in terms of parliamentary time and procedure, it would be easy to amend the social welfare legislation to broaden the legal basis provided to the public services card. But they won't do it because they know it would be identity card and surveillance by stealth. Um, and so they tried to do it uh, in practical terms, um, was it Regina Doherty who said that it was mandatory but not compulsory? We want you to use it, but we can't force you to use it, but you're going to have to use it. Um, uh, and uh, that attitude continues, notwithstanding, um, A, the Data Protection Commissioner, and now uh, the, the, you know, the fact that Martin has demonstrated his continuing use. Couple of couple of points, and I would like to go back to the deletion of the database, which happened in in February twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and we only found that out subsequently later. I mean, fully two years later that the database was deleted. So for two years it was deleted, and nobody knew. But the at the time of deletion, nobody had informed the department that I had taken a case at that stage. It was only I published an article myself through the tortoise shack and we published and said this is the potential consequences liable liable con- liability consequences mm-hmm. for doing this within two months it was deleted so the reason for the deletion was very obviously they saw a liability which was ever increasing now the question of liability has been raised, and I've seen this written in a few articles about this case, mm-hmm. is that because the data wasn't sold on, that the liability will be smaller. 
But that doesn't mean there's no liability. It means there is still a liability. And because each journey recorded was a breach of data protection, you multiply that by the number of journeys. So even mm-hmm. if it was 10 euros by 50 million journeys, and that's the amount of journeys we're talking about, yeah. you're 500 million. If you multiply it by 100 euro, you're into the billions. This is really, you know, where do you draw the line? Where do you say that the public services card now costs more than it can ever recoup? Therefore, it does not fulfill its purpose. Well, first of all, I'm now beginning to wish that um, I had been using a public services card rather than a lead card uh, for for my bus journeys going into work. Because, you know, um, uh, two bus journeys a day, five days a week for however long it was was going on would have been a nice number of journeys. Um, anyway, so there, there's that. Yes, Article 82 of the GDPR. I'm sorry, here's the science bit. Article nice. 82 of the GDPR. Um, provides for uh, damages for breach of the GDPR. And in the in the Irish implementation, uh, Section 117 of the Data Protection Act 2018 provides for damages for breach of the Act. So um, there are bases for a claim. And um, uh, until three weeks ago, we weren't sure just how far the claims could go how uh, material damage where you um, actually suffer a financial or personal loss. So if it had been used for, if 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 your data has been leaked onto the dark web and you've been a victim of um, a financial crime, you've suffered financial loss, you can recover for that, for example. Um, but it also covers uh, what's called non-material damage or distress. And... Um, the Court of Justice told us three weeks ago that um, there's no minimum amount of distress. Once you can demonstrate that you have uh, suffered some distress, that's enough. But you have to demonstrate some distress. So um, maybe there's 50 million journeys, but maybe only 49 million of those people are sufficiently worried about the data processing, uh, the what is now regarded, you know, by the Data Protection Commission as unlawful data processing, that they are distressed by it. Um, so yes, you have to demonstrate some loss, some non-material damage, some distress. Um, and we have no Irish cases on that point. The UK cases have been very narrow uh, in uh, what they consider to be the kind of loss that you can recover in a personal action like this. But the Irish courts haven't said anything yet. And as I say, the Court of Justice has now told us that it can't be read too narrowly. So, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm sorry for your troubles. The level of distress is obviously, you know, it, it's beaten you down. Um, so um, I, I wouldn't have gone this far on had I not been distressed. No, no, I understand distress. that. Now, um, if I if I can, you said pity you didn't have a leap or pity you had. A leap. Yeah, I was going to go Whoa. there first. <laughs> I'll go there first. Oh, Noteworthy did an investigation and they did a very interesting investigation based on the evidence that I'd put into the public arena. 
Mm-hmm. And they have found out that lots of different public transport providers are holding databases of free travel pass journeys for differing lengths of times up to 10 years, up to 10 years Ooh. in some cases. And that it's widespread across the public set across pub all public transport providers. So you were saying your journey in, your journey out. Your journey in, your journey out, your Lewis, your Dart, your train, mm-hmm. all of them have illegal databases. So it's not just a public services card issue, nor will you be left out of the loop. All of these people acted with whether knowingly or unknowingly as data controllers for the NTA and the Department of Social Welfare. And it was their legal obligation to know what happened with the data at the end of it. And they're all legally liable. Am I right? Uh, first of all, I have to say, I'm now feeling, you know, a little bit of distress coming on. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear, this is terrible. Uh, secondly, the 10 years thing, I, I, I sort of crunched my face when you said that. Yes. There is, I cannot think of any justification for retaining data that long and therefore uh, getting too much data, data minimization, but keeping it for too long, that's another element of it. So um, you have to have a legal basis. You have to respect minimization and 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 term and so on. Um, it's all beginning to sound like there are a lot more questions to be answered and it just demonstrates my point that um, uh, across uh, across the public service, there is a, a large appetite for data when there is no justification for that data. Um, I mean, we have, uh, I, I was saying a little earlier that the uh, public services card could be given a legal basis uh, in the morning in any uh, amendment to the social welfare legislation. Uh, but the government doesn't want to be seen to be doing a uh, an ID card with surveillance, um, uh, you know, obviously and publicly, as opposed to having done it by stealth, because that just ties in with the public service attitude that uh, uh, all data that we gobble up is good data. So you're just giving another example of well, data gobbling. If I may, and uh, this might blindside you a little, uh, on Garda Shia have access to these databases. And even though the department said that it deleted the database in 2020, there were still, according to the department, on Garda Shikana, we're still accessing that database up till 2021. Now, nobody has explained this anomaly. Nobody's explained on what basis are Gardi and where Gardi accessing this database. We also know that there were they were written requests from Angarda Shikana. We also know that there were telephone requests from ticket inspectors, we know for certain, and we know other figures who haven't been defined, and we've been told that they never kept a record of the telephone access to this database. I mean, that's well, scary. That's very scary because um, that access is itself processing and controlling data, uh, and that needs a legal basis. They might like to try to argue that it's caught by the data retention legislation, um, but that's data retention of telecommunications data. I'm not sure that travel data, um, uh, even though it's data, would uh, amount to telecommunications data. Uh, But even if it did, let's just 
give them the benefit of the doubt in the hypothetical for one second, even if it did. That's the legislation that was struck down uh, in the Dwyer case. Um, so uh, even if they thought that that legal basis was a legal basis, it wasn't because it was invalid and was invalid at least going back to 2014. Um, uh, the, the data retention saga and we had another installment in it uh, this week. Uh, but the data retention saga goes back to a decision of the Court of Justice in 2014 taken by Digital Rights Ireland. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, a good friend of the a good friend of the podcast. And um uh the department uh and Algarda Shiahana have um I suppose it's kind of like a reverse um a reverse Santa Claus. Um, I believe in Santa Claus. I don't believe in the Court of Justice. Um, so uh, the, they they have simply ignored the consequences of that until Graham Dwyer, where uh, the uh, the courts have now struck down the the DRI case, said that the European basis for a lot of data retention was invalid, and the Irish, uh, you know, eventually in Dwyer. Uh, the, the 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 Irish court said that the uh, Irish implementation of the European basis was also invalid, and that meant that um, some surgery had to be done, and a bill went through uh, the Oireachtas in June July very quickly last That's year, right. um, and it was signed into law by the minister last week, week to come yeah. into effect next week. So um, until next week, they have no legal basis, um, even. When it comes into effect next week, there are two significant problems with it, um, uh, which are almost certainly going to give rise to further litigation. Uh, one of the problems is a technical one that it didn't jump through the necessary European hoops, and therefore it may not be valid as a matter of European law. And the second problem is that um, uh, one of the questions that the Irish courts were asked in Dwyer, but they didn't answer, is whether the legislation was invalid having regard to Irish constitutional protections of privacy. Um, and challenges to this legislation will almost certainly be forced to answer that question. Um, so there's at least another European ground for invalidity. There is likely to be um, uh, an Irish possible ground for invalidity. The, 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 so, the first the first point on that own though is crucial that we've we, we rushed through this legislation without adhering to the EU's own internal laws mm -hmm. and policies, and yep. we've decided that, and we've and the EU have warned us like ninety days after we were doing this. You you guys mm -hmm. can't really you can't do this, and we said, yep. ah, listen, we'll 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 deal with it later. We're in a we're in a hurry here. It was you know we had this kind of um, laissez faire reaction to it, and and. I know people spoke out and said, "No, actually, you won't. You will lose. You will get this. This won't work." And yet, mm -hmm. here we are. Here we but are. Yet playing, again, playing with house money, Tony. I is, know. Is I know, Martin. Really but, the... but, but but the fear then is because we spoke about the Dwyer case, and me and Owen spoke about it before on on this podcast. And and the fear is then that it opens up opportunities for people who've done terrible things to take mm -hmm. uh, yeah, challenges absolutely. to to, to judgments, and and that's and that is that is that is a concern, a very real concern. Yeah. If I if I could, there are. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You, you go the, ahead. There's just something I'd like to point out about the the, the free travel pass in both its forms, the old and the new form. Mm -hmm. There was a narrative that it was abused, and there was a narrative put out there that it was abused constantly, and we heard it for decades. This wasn't a a once off. 
when they actually got the data, surreptitiously, of course, they got the data, what they discovered was that the fraud rate was zero, sorry, 0.0004%. That was the fraud rate. With the public services card travel pass. That's the fraud rate. And I got that through a dull question. So we know that's the fraud rate. So mm-hmm. there was no justifiable basis for it, for what it was for in the first place, for fraud. It didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But what they did with that information once they had it was that Robert Watt asked for the public services card to be curtailed on old, old age pensioners during rush hour. Now, I find that a double insult. I find it doubly insulting that that's what they did with the data they illegally gathered. Well, the um, one of the many problems with um, large amounts of data is uh, even if you have a lawful basis, that you can still misuse it. And this is a so if, even if we were nice to them and said they had a, a lawful basis for all of this processing, which they didn't, um, uh, in, for the most part. Um, that would still be um, that would still be a breach because you're only allowed to use the data for the purpose for which it is gathered, um, and, and you know so that that you've got to limit your use to that purpose. And there are f- loads of examples of a laissez-faire attitude um, a- across uh, the public service, but in fact just across um, uh, custodians, controllers of large large data sets. Um, you know, taking the view, well, you know, it's our data; we can. Um, uh, we can access it for whatever reason we want. We can use it for whatever reason we want. And you need continuous pushback, like in your application to the Data Protection Commissioner, so as to um, uh, continue to teach the lesson uh, and eventually people will start to hear. Uh, maybe not the first time, but I mean, the we, we know the Data Protection Commission has told them you shouldn't be doing this with the with the public services card. Maybe not the second time you've demonstrated that there are uses that shouldn't be happening. Maybe not the third time after your decision came out, uh, we discovered that the um, ICCL had uh, got a data protection impact assessment about the biometric use or the use of biometric data associated with the data protection uh, uh, public services the card. ICCL, sorry, yeah. I'm just I'm just confusing myself here. The ICCL got the data protection impact assessment um, on the use of biometric data associated with um, the, the the use of the public services card. And again, um, that concluded, uh, and the department ignored that conclusion, that there was no legal basis for the processing of that biometric data because it's special data that mm. requires additional protections. Um, and the department hadn't put the additional protections in place. So we are seeing lots of shoes dropping relating to the public services card, uh, and yours is a particularly loudly thudding one. One last point for me, Owen, and sure. it's, 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 it's a question for you personally. Are you one of the people behind desks who's making it difficult, that Minister Harris was saying is making it difficult to introduce what we what we are concerned, what many people are saying is the illegal real-time facial recognition technology. Are you one of the people behind desks causing trouble? I sincerely hope so. <laughs> uh, I have been associated with um, several of the ICCL um, um, moves in this respect, letters and uh, engagements and so on. Um, I'm, I'm not by any means the main uh, desk mover. Um, 
that's not a grateful phrase. But anyway, I'm not one of the main desk people, but I sincerely hope that uh, my, my small contribution is helping there. I, I just before before we wrap, I will just mention on the biometrics. I never had my photograph taken. That's why I know it's a biometric photo. I've always <laughs> known it's a biometric photo. They took it off either my passport or my driving license, which are biometric photos. Therefore, the photo on my public services card is a biometric photo. It can't be anything else. I so, thought the giveaway was the fact that the company that made the card was called Biometric International. Actually, so, and sorry, you've reminded me. I'll just say this, Tony. You have reminded me. The same people who produce the Leap cards produce the public services card. Ah, uh, oh, maybe there's... I swear this is true. Owen's level of distress is getting higher and the, higher. The same Absolutely. Make... Oh, yeah. Oh, poor me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, in honesty, every time I went to get on the Lewis, I looked at that thing coming out of the ground. You know, the thing you scan your card on. And yeah, I said, the, that's, the... that's a telephone to the Department of Social Welfare. And it really bothered me. It absolutely bothered me. It still bothers me. I think I've done the safe pass, you know, the safe pass mm -hmm. in getting the card. Why then, after going through all the hoops, why does it need to be scanned? Once my face matches the picture on the card, nobody needs to know anything else. Uh, that goes back to the old paper thing where the driver looked at you, looked at the card that you were showing um, and and nodded, and that was that. Um, it's that, and that this is where we came from. It's an example of failure to respect data minimization. You're absolutely right. There is no need for it. Therefore, it shouldn't be happening. And um, I, I, I do, you know, I, I do believe the solution, particularly for old age pensioners who are not required to prove anything but that they are old age pensioners. A driver's license is enough to access free service on the bus. It is your right. It is your absolute right to have it. And you don't have to scan anything. And I think people should stop scanning the public services card on buses. Their, their data is de facto being illegally retained by somebody. That's me out. <laughs> uh, and when I'm a pensioner, I'll get very distressed. That's I, me. And you're a few years away from it. Thank you very much for having it's this conversation with us. <laughs> And, oh, you're uh, very welcome. It's always you, a pleasure. Uh, you understand this on depths I have no clue of, and I say that very honestly. I have no clue of, but you understand it on deeper depths. And thank you very much for your insight. I will say, folks, we have been using the new um, facial recognition technology throughout this uh, podcast now, and we are sponsored by um, what is it, TransLink, and what's the French company that make that own the Lewis? You know, like we shouldn't worry about it. They're good people, and I don't care what they do with their data. I didn't they, even mention the fairies, did I? No, I no. don't. <laughs> well, we have we have uh, lots. Well, we've... well, in that case, in that case, the, the image scanning must be in widescreen for me. Yeah, oh, now, right. now, now. Take guys. care of yourself, Owen. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you all very, very soon. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.